You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. going we're doing a little mid-series recap so not too much of an in-depth episode uh but a few things to talk about and the rangers finally announced the galan hiring and introduced them today so a few notes there um yeah and this week is hitting, uh, smacking us in the face kind of like a maddie barzell high stick what do you think yeah just a little taste as they would say a little taste <laughs> but uh where do you want to start you want to start out east you want to start out west I, we we got to start with the Islanders line. I think that's. I mean, both series have been good, but the Islanders Lightning series just has a little bit more emotion going to it. Probably because both arenas are sold out. Yeah, um, that series so far, man. I, I, from game to game, I honestly don't know what to expect. It's just been all over the place. I personally love it. I, I love kind of the roller coaster ride they have me on, and I'm hooked. I did not expect the absolute shit-kicking, though, that was on the hands of the Islanders yesterday. I thought it was going to be another tight game and 8 nothing. That's I, told, I called it. I said there's going to be one game this series, maybe two, where the Lightning just go off and drop like six, seven goals on them, and then that's how they get two of their wins. I just, like, for me with a team like Tampa Bay... When they are finally clicking, and you see it throughout the year, too, like there's certain games where they're, I don't want to say lackluster, but they're just kind of like, all right, you know, they won, they went out and they won three to one. But there's days when it all just clicks for them, and it's like, it's like they're on the power play all game. Like they have six skaters on the ice, people only have five. It was an absolute shit kicking last night. Well, that's what happens when you're $18 million over the cap, as Dougie Hamilton would say. And you know what? I'll I'll touch on that too. Did Tampa play this right? Absolutely. I mean, magically, Nikita Kucherov's good to go for the playoffs. Um, they played it right though. Like they were cap compliant into the playoffs. It all works the same way. There's no way out there. I mean. If I'm Dougie Hamilton, though, and, like, you, you want to be that sour about great, you know, like, listen, bro, you sure, probably should have played a little bit better. Like, just just saying. Yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be addressed in the next CBA in terms of how long-term uh, injured reserve is going to be used when it comes to playoff time. Because do I think Tampa Bay lucked out in a way? Yeah, and I, they can say all they want that – no team in the league would want to go without their best player or most valuable player. Yeah, most teams. But you're Tampa Bay, and you can lose Kucherov, and then you still have, like, five or six 20-plus goal scorers, and you can live with not having Kucherov and still make the playoffs. 
and you still almost won a division. Like, it's not like they just barely made it in, and now they get Kucherov back, and they're going on a run because they're back to full strength. So out of all the teams in the league, Tampa Bay is probably the only team that can afford to lose a guy like Kucherov and just be like, ah, we'll be all right. So I don't want to hear that. And I also, I love how Kucherov's agent is trying to help Tampa Bay out too by saying if he was healthy and ready to play and Tampa Bay held him out, I would file a petition with the Players Association because my client wants to play. No, your client wants to win the Stanley Cup again. Yeah. And your client knows that if he came back, it would fuck things up. So I'm not saying he was cleared to play three months ago and they held him out for three months. But he was definitely not cleared the night before game one of the playoffs after a six-month layoff and going, hey, guess what? You were just examined and now you're just cleared. They probably knew he was cleared with probably like 10 games left in the season. And they're like, why risk it? Bring, why bring him back now? Like, he'll be ready to go. Like, he'll be fine. So it's kind of cap circumvention, and I can see the frustration when you're a team that gets eliminated by Tampa because if it was properly followed, some of the guys that were on the roster that just knocked you out shouldn't have been there. But on the other side of it, technically, they're, like you said, they didn't do anything illegal. Like if you're, It's like baseball in the 90s. Technically, steroids weren't illegal. So, yeah, it was a, kind of a moral thing. But they weren't technically doing anything wrong. So until that rules changed, Tampa didn't do anything wrong. But I can I understand her frustration. Yeah, I get it. And I mean, I think from the beginning of the year, everyone understood Kucherov was getting his hip done. And is it going to be, how long exactly is he out for? And then magically, right at playoff time, yeah, here he comes back. If series or something, it would have been different. It's kind of like, wasn't it with... Uh, Kaner a few years ago at the Blackhawks something similar happened where he missed a big chunk of time and they were up against the cap and because he was out it helped him out and then he came back right for the playoffs Mm -hmm. so yeah they're just following that model that's going to get changed in the next CBA and I mean not not to kind of fast forward or go off topic but since we're semi on the topic of the salary cap and all that is there any player that you see being dealt from Tampa this offseason just with the way of the salary cap and now that Kucherov is back and he will be on the books for next year. I mean, Barkley Goudreau is going to go and get paid somewhere. I think Blake Coleman's going to be the same thing being UFA, but I mean, it, you look up and down that lineup like Tyler Johnson still on the books for five. I'm sure they're going to try to find a place for him. I didn't think he was worth it, but I think now he is. Uh, Yanni Gord, man, he is worth all. The other night, man. Yeah, he is worth all five one six 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 of that contract. Like he's he's just out there running around, and Sorelli too. He, he's very deceptive for a guy who's. I can't believe he's only twenty three. Like like he's a very young player still can evolve into something much bigger than what he already is. Like, I, I think that's a guy that can become even better for you. It, it's yeah. it's crazy. I mean, the only thing they have to worry about is uh, Braden Point will be restricted at the end of next season, so trying to figure out whatever contract that's going to be, and I'm assuming probably going to have to match Kucherov or pretty close to it. Yeah, I mean, for this offseason... I think Johnson is a goner. They might have to attach a prospect or a future, like, 
a high draft pick for a team to take on the five mil. But with the expansion draft, I think Killorn's probably a goner too. Mm-hmm. So that clears cap space. That probably gives them almost $10 million right there. So I think that alleviates most of the concern, especially with a guy like... They're going to lose one or both, like you said, of Goodrow and Coleman. So that helps clear some cap space. And it looks like they're trying to integrate some of their young guys like Colton uh, to possibly take on one of those roles. So... Yeah, I mean, it happened to Chicago, it happened to L.A., and it happened to Rangers, even though they, they didn't win a cup, where you get a good five-year window, guys start getting expensive, you start dealing guys from around the edges of the roster to try and keep it together, and then eventually you just need to break it up. So I could see once Braden Point's coming up, something going on with McDonough, maybe a buyout of McDonough, uh, they clear some cap room there. Um, I still think the nuclear option is Stamkos. Mm-hmm. Not a buyout, but moving him and his big salary. So, yeah. Um, in terms of the series, bringing it back to that. So, the Barzell cross-check. I hate to call it a cross-check to the face because it was like half lower face, half shoulder. He wasn't going in there cr- trying to cross-check him in the head. He did get him. Uh, the guy wrote a, acted like he was shot in the face and was fucking murdered, which, and then he pops right back up and goes to the bench. Um, he, Barcel only got fined, what was it? 5,000. 5,000? Yep. No suspension. Do you think he should have been suspended? And since he isn't, it's just another situation where now the league's opening up a Tom Wilson against the Rangers deal. Um, no, I, I thought the fine was was fair. Uh, I was very surprised, though, too, that they called it a major, they reviewed it, and then still called it a major. I was kind of with you. I mean, it looked like that first cross-check you gave him was a lot more intent than the second one. The second one was just kind of up high. Um, as for the redemption part of it, I mean... With Barzell being the player, the elite-level player that he is, he's not suspended, he has to respond to this, no? Like, I, I don't think there's any free passes here. I, I, I obviously don't think you can line him up with Patrick Maroon or somebody, but someone on that other side, maybe Sorelli or Killorn or somebody, will will go with him. Like, that would be yeah. my assumption. Cause, I don't think he'll go with him. I don't think Barzell's going to drop the gloves, but he's definitely going to get... If there's an opportunity to rub him out along the class, they're going to do that. They're going to chop him after whistles. They're going to face wash him. Because, again, he doesn't have a history. He is a star player. So that buys you, I feel like, a little more leniency. But you're still going to get a message sent to you of don't keep trying to pull that shit, especially in a seven-game series. And if anybody tried to do anything with Barzell, I just, for the first few shifts, I ride Matty Martin on his wing. No, I mean, Matt Martin is going to be very busy tomorrow night. There's yeah. no question about that. Like, Just hang, hang him on a wing. Let him let him run his mouth. Let him do his, hey, if you fuck with him, I want to hot the boards. So I think there'll be some pushing and shoving with Barzell. I don't think they're actually going to go out there and try and do any retribu- severe retribution. Um, because if they do, it's just going to open up Tampa Bay to actual suspensions. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, double-edged sword there. I mean, do you think that 
anyone will challenge him, and do you think he would go, I guess is a different question as to, like, I think you have to if someone challenges it. Like, it doesn't have to be out of your weight class, but, I mean. I mean, I could see it happening where he gets challenged, and here's the interesting part with the whole hockey code. If you're Barzell, do you drop the gloves, even though you're the franchise guy, now you're off the ice for five minutes, possibly more, let's say if you got any damage done to you in terms of, like, needing some repair work and buy yourself some respect not only from your teammates but Tampa Bay for answering the bell and just ending it get it over with you drop the gloves it's over with square it up we move on and it's probably going to be somebody like a Yanni Gord to be honest uh, that goes up to him to keep it in a weight class because I don't see anybody on Tampa Bay as like a dirty player who's going to like just jump Barzell Um, or is it Barzell where it's like I'm too important like, I was fine. Like, it wasn't intentional. It's not a dirty play. I'm not going to drop the gloves, and it prolongs it. So I don't know which one is worse for the Islanders. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is either. I just think for, like, for a kid like Barzell who came out of the WHL, like a pretty tough league, yeah. you think that he had, he at least has a little bit of that in the sense of, you know, I, I broke the code. Let's do it. Let's get in the ball. You know, maybe right off the opening faceoff, whoever they send out. He's, he's got. I feel like he's dropped him before in a league. And he's gotten into some rough stuff in some Rangers Islander games, so it's not like he's foreign to it. He's not a like a giant softy, but I, if I'm the Islanders, if he gets into a fight and then he gets a concussion or like breaks his hand and he misses the rest of the series, that would be a nightmare scenario. All right, now going into this next game, I mean, both your goalies were absolute shit. You going back to Varlamov? Are you riding Sorokin? Like, what? What's game plan here? I'm going to Varley because, to be honest, those first three goals weren't his. The three goals he gave up in the first weren't his fault. I think it was more of a Trot sending a "wake the fuck up" type message to the to the guys, and they love him in a room, Varlamov. So it's kind of the old coaching trick of you. You made me pull. Varlamov, it's not his fault, it's your fault and now he looks bad and just kind of shaming him that way um, and then the kid came in and just fucking shit his pants uh, so I go right back to the veteran like you're facing elimination, I'm not playing any games, like you go with the guy that got you there, I know Sorokin played well for them in spot duty this year but if I'm losing, I'm losing with Varlamov uh, I, I agree. I think you go back to Varlamov, and I think tomorrow night over at Nassau is going to be insane. It is going yeah. to be loud. It's going to be ruckus. How about uh, that save by uh, Pollock? Oh, well, that save, I thought momentum-wise going into Tampa that they were going to steal that game. That, that's honestly what I thought. Um, I, I think the way that the building's going to be tomorrow, I think the Islanders steal one and they go to Game 7. Yeah, I would be disappointed if the series doesn't go seven. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I I don't want it in the sense of like, and anything goes game seven. Like I just want to see this series go seven games because it's been that good. Yeah, it's gonna go. I the atmosphere is gonna be great. I hope it goes seven, and I hope it's a like a zero zero or a one one game, and you're going to like double OT, and guys are fucking bagging it up and down the ice, and it's some non-goal score, like you'll get a Leo Komarov game-winning goal or a Colton game-winning goal for on the Tampa side of things and that's how the series kind of wraps up. Like, we need an old-school 
Stars Avalanche Game 7 from like 1999 type deal. <laughs> now, now, speaking of another series, uh, puck drop probably in about 20 minutes from now, we have Montreal and Vegas for a very crucial Game 5 tonight back in uh, Vegas. What do you think? I'm surprised it's tied to two, to be honest. We knew Carey Price would steal a game. He's played well. It's not... The longer Montreal has played, the better the whole team has looked. So it's not like the first series where Carey Price was basically willing them to the second round. Now it's he's playing well, but the whole team is playing well. Like, they're rolling. So... It's a, it's a completely different series than it was before it started because Montreal is a different team than before the series started in my mind. So I still think Vegas is the better team, the more talented team. I think they can match price and goal. So I'm still fairly certain that Vegas will pull a series out. But if Montreal wins this game and then they go back to Montreal with a chance to go to the Stanley Cup final, that atmosphere would be severely improved if it was just like NASA Coliseum like sold out fans can go in there and not like this limited attendance deal that the Canadian teams are stuck with mm-hmm. no uh, I've actually been surprised as to tempo at times in this series like there's been times that Montreal's been giving it to them in yeah. starts of the game Montreal has come out flying in every game to put Vegas on their heels and there's been times where they've done really good at it and then there's been other times during the, the couple of the other games where you know it was a quick surge Vegas kind of weathered it and you know back to regular scheduled programming um, <laughs> and Corey Perry fucking old man Corey Corey Red Perry 2003 Corey Perry Still going. I mean, I love that game that they won in overtime, game three, where he takes the stick in the face, and he's there, and he's congratulating the guys bleeding in the hallway. Yeah. Just uh, the worm wants to win. One of the lines up there, though, that's a Foley, uh, Cole Caulfield, and Suzuki line. Like, yeah. holy shit. Uh, like, that's a line, and those guys are playing. How many teams do you think regret not drafting Caulfield because of his size? Uh, every one of them. Every one of them. <laughs> Uh, another thing too, when when you look at the redemption part of it, uh, then Nicholas Roy who scores the game-winning goal in yeah. Game Four. This kid, the last time, well, he played Game Three, but the last time before that, he was in that building was two years ago for the World Junior Championship, where the USA beats Canada. In the gold medal game, where he was the one who was on the shootout and he lost the puck. Yeah. So finally getting some redemption, a Quebec boy back in Quebec being able to get something there, uh, taking it back to Vegas tied. I think that changes everything. You, you speak of players who have been difference makers. I mean, Max Pacioretty, man, he wants this. And I don't know if it's just because it's against Montreal or if it's just the the old guy wants his cup but he has been yeah, probably both the, the F1 he is in on every four check the first guy that game winning goal the other night he's the one who sets that up gets behind the play go hard goes hard to the net puck pops out the other side like i've been very surprised with Max Pacioretty definitely still has some uh, gas left in the tank yeah he's been playing well i think besides how Perry's 
playing vintage Perry and taking over the series in terms of the gritty, sandpaper, agitating role. The guy who's been disappointing the most, Mark Stone. Like, it's not like he's invisible, but I'm sure there's something going on. But he's just not... The best way I can describe it is when you're just watching a game and you're seeing the, the movement of the game and the flow like you commented on earlier, he's not driving it. And he's one of the premier possession drivers in the sport, and he's just kind of trying to find a spot. And I don't know if it's because of a, the defensive uh, game plan that they have against him or all the... Uh, because they pretty much match Perry up against him most of the time. If that's getting under his skin and now he just wants to try and find a spot to get his shot off, but he's not playing to the level that he was in the first two rounds, and if that's the case, then the series is kind of up for grabs for me. Have you been surprised as to how active Vegas's defensemen have been? They have been in on pucks. They have been standing up at the blue line, push, pushing people down, uh... Shea Theodore the other night, I'm sorry, not Shea Theodore, Braden McNabb well below the circles the other night scoring that game-tying goal. Like, I, I just don't know. Like, obviously they're sticking to their plan. They, they've played like this all year. But don't you think it just lingers in the back of your mind of, like, this time of year, like, oh, shit. Like, if I make this pinch and I don't get this puck, like, I'm fucked. Yeah, it could, it could end our season. Yeah, so like just, I would definitely be thinking about that just in the back of my own mind. But but if I'm Montreal, I'm playing with house money at this point. Like if we lose, we were supposed to lose, so might as well just try and steal a series and go balls out here. Oh no, I, and I think Montreal is is in it. And one other thing I've heard, and I kind of want to get your take on it is, I have heard so many Canadian people. And I'm not talking about the Quebec people. I'm talking about Canadian people as a whole country who are not supporting the Canadians. You know, they're diehard Leafs fans. You're like, they, they don't even want the Cup to come back to Canada because it would be Montreal who wins it. <laughs> and I'm like, are you that fucking bitter? Uh, like, well, yeah, it'd be like rooting for the Yankees to win a World Series by everybody uh, outside of New York. No, but but it's like, come on. Like, don't you want to see Canada win a cup? And they're like, nope, fucking this team. Like, I don't want to hear people on Montreal's bandwagon and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, they're, they're playing good hockey. You, you guys and the fucking beat writers up north were the ones who push this whole team off the ledge you know Carrie wasn't saving pucks you get the cartoon written about him and it's like am I missing something like I just I don't know man well you gotta look at it from a Bruins fan point of view too if it was Montreal against a team that you had no affiliation with really and people are telling you well, why don't you want Montreal to win you fucking hate them that's why <laughs> So like I can see, especially Toronto fans, I can see them saying, "I don't want Montreal to win because it's Montreal," and also they want to kill two birds with one stone. They want to end their Stanley Cup drought, and they want to be the team that ends Canada's Stanley Cup drought. So I can see the selfishness and why they don't want them to do it. But if I'm if I'm like a Winnipeg Jets fan, like who gives a shit? Well, I mean, the only other part of it was like. Hey, Toronto, not not for nothing, but I'm sick of saying every year that this is your year. Just throwing yeah. it out there. Like, you had your chance this year and you blew it. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, don't be mad at the Canadians because their goalie's playing at the right time and everything else. Like, I just, 
I don't want to fucking hear it. That's all. Do you still think Vegas wins the series? Yes, I, I do okay. still think Wakefield, uh, Blakefield, Jesus Christ, the uh, Vegas <laughs> wins the series. Like I don't even know where. Oh, you know what? It is? I was looking at something else, but uh, no, I, I do still think Vegas wins the series. Uh, quick little tidbit, at least on my end. Vegas going back to Flower for Game Five tonight. Your thoughts on that? I don't. I really don't like the back and forth with goaltenders, unless it's injury or poor play, like consistently poor play. And Flurry played well for them. They got burned when it went to Leonard in Game One of the last round, and it was to get Flurry some rest. It burned them. And yeah, he had that gaffe at the end of Game Three. But that's not, it has nothing to do with level of play. They go with Leonard. He didn't play poorly. They they lost the game. And now you go back to like at some point. I've said this before. I, I think in our playoff preview, when you have two goaltenders, you don't have any goaltenders because you don't have anybody that you trust to ride. So having two of them doesn't matter. So. I'm really not sure what the board's doing here. I mean, I know he knows the room better than any of us. I know he knows what he's doing. But I'm always... It's like the quarterback in football. Once you go to the backup, you pretty much have to stick with them until something forces your hand. And losing an overtime and then of a gap, because of a gap by flurrying game three isn't forcing your hand. I feel like he's just doing something because he's like, hey... Both goaltenders are quality goaltenders. I can't lose. You kind of... It's like this weird mentality that your team takes on where you don't have confidence in the guy behind you because your coach is basically saying, we we don't have confidence in him. Because if you had confidence in Flurry, why didn't you start on last game? So now we... So what's the difference between two days ago and tonight? Yeah, I, I saw another thing that came out today, too, that... I, I forget who had reported it, but they were saying... Uh, Vegas has a more belief, or they believe that Leonard is more reliable than Flurry, and I'm like, how the fuck can you push that out there? And now they're going back to Flurry tonight. Like, a credibility, but B, it's like we're going into this off season. One of them's going unprotected. Make up your mind. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Because now, okay, let's say Montreal wins tonight. Do you go to Leonard in Game 7? Uh, no. Like, what's the thought process? No, I I, I honestly go, like, unless you go out there and Flurry lays a shitter, then that's the only way I go back to Leonard. Yeah. But he didn't, that's what I mean, like, with DeBoer. He didn't lay a shitter in Game 3, and he went to Leonard in Game 4. Yeah, so, I, I don't know DeBoer's mentality. Maybe it's just to make that, they're both on their toes, but for maybe that's what separates the board from being a good coach and a great coach. Yeah, yeah, very well could be. I, I know we had that conversation last week as to can DeBoer beat the other coaches if he makes it to the next round? Because I mean, he has two very good ones on the other side that he's going to be playing one of. And yeah, he's not even he's not even coaching against another coach right now. <laughs> yeah, the Dominique um, Ducharme. Yeah. Who actually was uh, the coach of that world junior team that Nicholas Roy was on? Yeah. You're like the Pierre Maguire of this podcast when it comes to like juniors and uh, world junior championship talk. <laughs> I, fu- I fucking love the world juniors, but that's neither here nor there. Um, 
One other quick tidbit we wanted, or at least I wanted to hit on tonight, is the Rangers introduced Gerard Gallant as their head coach. Uh, two interesting takeaways from there. One from Gallant, uh, he basically reiterated, and this is probably the reason why he was hired, uh, the type of team that he wants the Rangers to be play like and be viewed at as around the league is the most difficult team in the league to play against. And he, the key word there is difficult. He didn't say tough. He didn't say strongest. He said toughest. And he cultivated that in Vegas most definitely and towards the end there in Florida. The only issue is the roster construction. Mika Zibanejad is not tough to play against. And that's not a knock on him. It's just not his game. Panarin is not tough to play against. Buchnevich, yeah, Buchnevich is kind of like a little fucking rap bastard so I'll give that to him but you're not going to have Lafreniere and Kako and all this other stuff so when David Quinn was hired he said I want to be a difficult team to play against but you also have to coach the team's strengths and if they're bringing in Gallant to replace Quinney I don't want him to continue the process of forcing Kako to be a two way forward they play to the strengths beef up the fourth line Play a tougher game, sure. Don't get fancy at the blue line, like all the cliche stuff. But please do not try and change the talent or the game of the guys that are talented in the top six just to try and say you're tough to play against. Like Tampa Bay, their top six, yeah, they're they're pretty gritty. But it's not in a tough to play against type of way. Like Kucherov is like a pest. Gord's a pest. Sergachev is a pest. None of them are going to be dropping the gloves and fucking laying hammers down or forechecking hard. Their bottom six will and their uh, defense will. So that's what the Rangers should hopefully try and model themselves after. And luckily for them, they have Goodrow's a free agent. Coleman's a free agent. Um, hey, if they want to pick up Yanni Gordon and trade to help Tampa Bay clear some cap space, that's fine by me. There's a plenty of other guys that depth guys that can bring in the add to that level as well the other thing I wanted to touch on is Chris Jury came out in strong support of finally after almost four years of naming a captain for the Rangers and he says that will go a long way towards helping to build a team identity because since Quinn was coach and Gorton was GM they once they traded McDonough there was no captain and Hank was the unofficial captain, but when it came to being on the ice and setting the tone and setting a team identity, everybody thought it would be Mika Sabanajad. That didn't happen. And to be honest, I don't know if Mika is like the captain-type player. People thought it was, it was going to be Chris Kreider because the game he plays, and he's been a homegrown guy and been there for almost a decade at this point. But Drury made an interesting comment about how guys grew into a role and he recognized it especially in the quote second half of the season that to me says Jacob Truba is going to be the next captain of the Rangers because once Truba came back and he started playing this game he really took on a big time leadership role with the media and in a room with the young guys and that was commented on consistently by the Rangers beat guys and the fact that Drury kind of referenced the second half of the season makes me think that uh, Truba is going to be the captain and hey you can pick a hell of a lot worse of a guy to set the tone of the team identity than Jacob Truba. The guy's a fucking madman. 
Uh, I thought you were going to say that they were going to name Artemi Panarin captain because he basically missed the whole first half of the season. But uh, that you know that's just me. Yeah, Panarin's not that guy either. He let him just let him sit up on the off wing and set guys up and then fire one time on a power play. We're good there. <laughs> All is good. All right. Yeah. So I think it'll be Truba. Um, young guys in the roster. I know a lot of people say Lafreniere. I don't know. That would just be naming him captain down the road, just because he's likely going to end up being the, one of the most talented guys on the roster. To me, I think it's going to be somebody like uh, Adam Fox that could be captain like once Troop is out of town. I, I would like that Fox choice, but... Oh. I would say Lindgren, but that guy's going to like die in the ice at some point with the way he plays. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that, that guy's not going to have a very long career with all the fucking... Yeah, I think he's like, a, he's like an eight-year at most. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's the two thoughts I had on a uh, the quote-unquote press conference for Gallant today about the captaincy and the style of play. If they want to play that way, they have a few adjustments they have to make, and hopefully they play to the strengths with their top six. Yeah, um, I will say just in the past with Gallant's teams, I find it weird the way he worded it, you know, not tough to play against, but what was the correct word he used? D- difficult? Uh, difficult. Okay, like... Turk always has tough teams. He always had fourth line guys. He always yeah, respected their rule. Yeah, Ryan Reeves, <laughs> Sean Thornton. Like he's always had these guys, and these guys love to play for him. So for me, I, I think that he's going to need to bring some of that in. I, I think there's yeah. no question about that. It's going to have to happen. Know who I think they bring in? Who are you thinking? They don't want to spend a lot of money on it, and they want a guy that's okay not being in a lineup every night. Deloria. I thought fucking at that point you just go back to Michael Haley. Haley's not a heavyweight though, so I mean he's he fights up a level just because of his skill. But yeah, been there, done that. Like I don't want Haley back. I don't want like a Tanner Glass type guy. Like if we're gonna waste a roster spot on an enforcer, I want it to be like an actual guy who can stand up to Tom Wilson and lay some hammer down on him. I mean, not to give you junk if he doesn't come back to us, but, I mean, Jared Tenorti could be that guy on the back end of... He could be your seventh yeah, and He he's a, well for you guys, I feel like, he, most he, of the time. He, he, he got him off waivers. He did, and, I mean, he's UFA. I don't know if he's coming back or not, but, I mean, just for a big body and a guy that will come in and he'll definitely chuck him, that, that's not a bad pickup. Oluxiak is a free agent, too. Oh, the big rig. Yeah, I like. I really like him playing on that third pair with uh, Lindquist, mm-hmm. the young kid. So, yeah, the Rangers have options. And, yeah, I think the Rangers will bring in somebody. It's not going to be a goon. Like, they're not going to have John Scott or Aaron Asham back there. But I agree. They're going to be bringing somebody in to fill that role. All right. A- anything else we got? Um, just a few quick hits of uh, the Canucks hired the Sedin Twins as special assistants uh, to the GM. So more of a uh, face, community-facing, immediate-facing role, most likely. But I, at this point, if I was one of them, like, holy fuck, can I do something without my brother? Yeah, can like, we just do it solo? And, like, everything is with this motherfucker. Like, Jesus Christ. Uh, so that's that. And then two other quick sad news. Uh, Tom Kerbis died at 58 a few days ago. He had a great hockey life, is how I like to put it. Um, died of a young age, uh, lung cancer. He, his most recent position was assistant GM with the Minnesota Wild. 
And then today, news came out that Rene Robert died at 72. Um, he was on... When he was with the Buffalo Sabres, he was on the French Connection line. So, uh, two sad and well-known hockey... Members of the hockey community passed away in the last few days. Uh, yes, uh, huge heartbreak in Tom Carver's there. Very young, battled with lung cancer, even though he never smoked a butt in his life. Um... One other thing, tonight during the game, they're going to announce the GM of the Year Award, so we'll see who ends up going home with that. And uh, Matt Nieto signs a two-year extension to stay with the San Jose Sharks. Does they announce what the uh, cap hit is of that yet? No, they haven't said any of that yet, which was just weird. I think it's just out of, out of season. that They haven't posted yet. Cap friendly is living the dream, you know? I don't know what San Jose is doing. Like, Nieto's not a bad bad forward but like are you just going to keep running back the same guys over and over again like Jesus Christ um one last thing before shout outs I know this is like kind of morbid but if you go to NHL.com which I just did and then you click on the article talking about uh Robert's passing away the photo that they used can I just comment on how hideous the old St. Louis Blues uniforms were were those the baby blue ones? No, it in this let me, photo. Let me refresh the NHL.com. Look, look at the sho- uh, shoulder yoke. Like this. Look at the piping. Let's pull this up. Oh my god, it's like a bad Adidas stripe. Yeah, like holy fuck, is it ugly as shit? So I saw that photo, and I'm like, I know I should be focusing on Robert, but I can't take my eyes off that train wreck of a jersey. <laughs> um, so yeah, I know. I will say the Buffalo blue look sharp though. Yeah, I'm glad they went back to that. Um, but yeah, so who do you have for shout-outs this week? Uh, shout-outs this week. Sunday was Father's Day, so shout-out to Big Kev. Um, shout-out to Big Red. Had a nice little day. Went to the beach, came home, barbecued after. And, you know, I kind of got after it. Had a few too many porch rockers, but that was fine. Nice little R&R. Um, shout-out to the Strat Daddy. I- I'm hoping to see him this week. We have not... Uh, come together lately just fucking i've been working every thursday night for the past three to four weeks so i haven't seen him so hopefully i can see the big fellow this week uh, come and, together it's kind of hard to time it at the same time consistently you know oh you know it's, <laughs> it's just one knee-jerk reaction to the left or right can change everything but uh no that's all i got who you got uh just a quick shout out uh to the listeners of the show that I'm friends with on social media, or at least on Instagram at this point. You saw that I went to the Foo Fighters show at Madison Square Garden on Sunday, on Father's Day. Um, incredible show. It's my fourth time seeing them. Probably the most fun concert I've been to with them. Um, I was on the floor. I was like six, quote-unquote, rows away from the stage. Uh, it was the first performance back at Madison Square Garden since COVID, where there was no mess requirements there was no restrictions no nothing so the Foo Fighters my old time favorite band reopened basically concert season in New York at Madison Square Garden um, so it was a great show and also during the show they had a surprise they brought out Dave Chappelle uh, as a special surprise guest and he sang the vocals to Creep uh, while Grohl played uh, guitar and the crowd went wild for that. Like they lost their shit when he walked out on stage. So it's a great show. 
So I'm happy I was able to go, even though I am a lot lighter in a pocket because of it. Um, so yeah, just wanted to give a quote-unquote shout-out to the Foo Fighters for a great time and uh, kicking off summer season for me. Well, thank you, Mr. Grohl, for taking care of my boy over there. Appreciate <laughs> it. But everybody, as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, so this will be the last episode for the quote-unquote conference finals, and then we will give you a Stanley Cup preview, and we'll touch in the middle of that again just to see where it is. And then crazy to think we'll already be on to uh, expansion draft, who's gone, who's not, and going from there. So as always, thank you, and we'll catch you next week. I am a one-way motorway. I'm a road to drive the way follows you back home. I am a streetlight shining. I'm a white light blind and bright, burning off and on. Yeah.